Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. So um, I think I may have told uh, you a while ago about the moment I decided uh, to become a pastor. And it was actually, I was in publishing, and my career was going really, really well, and I was on a mission trip in Norway uh, with my pastor, and um, that morning, uh, we were in this little town called Christensen, and I had a chance to lead a men's Bible study. There was probably about 15 guys, and uh, I led that Bible study, it was a great time, great connection, had a chance to minister to some people, Um, but we also, uh, with my uh, company that I work for, we had a a vendor, um, a technology vendor that was in Norway. So I thought, well, hey, I should do a little business while I'm here too. So we jumped on a train, went about two hours away and kind of put on my business hat, took off my ministry hat and uh, met with this vendor. And um, it was unbelievable. Uh, I have never been wined and dined and taken care of. Gina came with me and uh, we come up, we meet these guys and there's this table and um, for both of us there's like a backpack and boots and socks and shirts and a watch and like all their kind of product stuff and they said hey we want to take you on a hike and they just so they dressed us up gave us all this stuff and we hiked to a pulpit rock which I think we have a picture of that which is just absolutely beautiful that's pulpit rock right there you know they don't have guardrails around their uh, monuments there so you just go up there and uh, it was just gorgeous about two three thousand meters a down to the to the fjord below there and then um, we get done with that and we walk down you know we're talking business blah 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 boring blah blah boring and then we get down and we go out to they take us to this dinner on the harbor and i Maybe you eat like this, but I have never eaten. Like, it was crazy. Like, every single, like, course, they come out with a different wine, you know? Like, this is your appetizer wine, and it's blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, okay. And, you know, five different wines. I'm like, how do you, how do you eat with Norwegians without getting drunk? This is insane. And so uh, we got all done. And, I mean, we were just, uh, just the best. I mean, it was just, I think, like, the best the world has to offer and and we got done and we get back on the train and we're going back uh to you know putting our mission hat back on and as we're on the train i I told gina i said you know what i would take the bible study over the dinner any day of the week Uh, to be used by god just be in the middle of what god is doing i'll take that over the best that this world has to offer. And it was at that moment that I said, this is, this is what I have to do. I, I have to come in and just be part of the kingdom. And you, you can give me all the extravagance that the world has to offer. It just doesn't compare to partnering with God. And you know, there, there's a lot of extra in abundance that you can find here in this world. A lot of extravagance in this world. You know, okay, so you know that I'm a U2 fan. Like Bono, do you know that Bono, that he once he got a, a first class ticket when he was flying around for his hat? Just his hat, that, that hat right there. It had its own seat. That was like 1,700 bucks everywhere he went. I mean, that, that seems like a little much to me. Or uh, uh, Paris Hilton, you know she built a dog mansion for her dogs. It's a, it's a quarter million dollar mansion just for her little dogs to live in. I mean, it just seems like a little extra, right? 
And I want to look at a passage here that it's just, it is just abundance. It just, it's extra. And so if you go um, to John chapter 12, we're going to read about um, some extravagance. And it's uh, 12 verse 1. And it says, six days before the Passover, so this is about, this is coming up to the end where Jesus is about to be crucified. Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So that just took place a little while ago. And here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. And Martha served, which is like, if you read about Martha, that seems to be what she does. So here she is again, serving, running around and working. While Lazarus was among them, reclining at the table with him. And then Mary, she always takes a little different approach, which we'll see uh, in a little while. And then Mary took out a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's worth a year's wages. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, a keeper of the money bag. He used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. And so we have Mary of Bethany, and she comes with this alabaster jar that we learn in the other Gospels. And so this jar actually found a picture of one from about 2,000 years ago. That's at the Met there. And it could have looked something like this. And in that jar, she would have put this, uh, this nard, this perfume, and it was worth a year, I mean, a year's wages. It was basically like her 401k. Or, or maybe it was her, her dowry. You know, some, some people would uh, uh, put their dowry in this alabaster jar. Yeah, I found a, um, a perfume. The most expensive cologne you can buy right now is called Clive Christian Number no. 1. And it's $12,500 an ounce. Okay, so now just imagine that I was to take that and I took about four ounces of that. I took $50,000, $60,000 of that and I just started pouring it all over Eric, you know? Like, here we go. And you guys would be like, the youth building, wait, what are you doing right now, right? And, and so, but, I mean, just such extravagance. It seems like, well, seriously? You're gonna take all that money and just for this moment, just to, just to pour it on their feet, just to anoint them? I mean, imagine dumping out your retirement for Jesus, it just seems a little extra, right? Until we remember who he is and we remember what it is he is just about to do. And Jesus says, this was necessary to prepare me for my burial. Now let's just think about that for a minute. Because this moment that he is moving into is literally going to affect the eternal destiny of billions of people, including the people right here in this room. And when you think about that, when you think about what he is about to do, and this is preparing him for that moment, wouldn't you say, hey, are there any more jars around here? Is that all we have? Can't we find another two or three of those things to pour on Jesus' feet right now? And this extravagant praise for what he is about to do and who he is, I mean, his death that changed everything for all of us, I mean, what expense, what preparation would be too much? And Jesus is worth, and as we're finishing this series talking about extravagance, I, I want you to understand that Jesus is worth our extravagant praise. I mean, all that we have. An extravagant praise is the fitting response to an extravagant restoration from Jesus of what he's done in our life. I mean, did you see who else is at the party? Lazarus. Where was Lazarus? Just a few days before. He was dead. 
He was dead, and there he is reclining at the, at the party. Remember that Jesus has brought him back, called him out of the grave. I mean, how would you respond if you're there with Jesus and he brought your brother back to life? What gift would you bring? You know, he restored Mary's brother to him. How amazing. And I guess the question I have for you is, let's think about it. What has he restored to you? What has he put back together in your life? What has he given back to you that was taken? Now, I asked her permission to share this with you, but one of my daughters in high school, she went sideways. And she went sideways from Jesus, and she went sideways from us, and it was just like, I was like, man, where are you going? And who are you right now? And I don't know why, but, but she decides right after, I don't, I seriously, I, I, it had to just be Jesus. She decides, um, I'm going to YWAM after high school, and I was like, you are? And so she goes and she comes back and God gets a hold of her heart. And I mean, she is on fire right now still. And she's been restored to God and she's been restored to me. And, and I guess the question is, what is that worth? What more could you ask for? I mean, did anybody here, you, you have one who isn't walking with Jesus right now? What would it be worth to you for them to come back and be restored to God and be restored to you? I mean, it's worth everything, isn't it? No greater prayer that we would have. Okay, so what has he restored to you in your life? What has he put back together and brought back to you that was lost or stolen by the enemy or given away by your own sin? But then think about this. What has he restored right here? You know, I, I think about this heart. And it was just like before I came to Jesus, it was just racked with selfishness. I mean, everything, everything was about me and lust, and pride, and insecurity, and loneliness, and rejection, and anxiety. I was on a little uh, bike pack trip. We took a mountain bike trip with my son-in-law this week, just an overnighter. And so as you know, we biked up, and then we're camping. And uh, my son-in-law, he asked me, he says, what do you love most about God? I said, you know, the thing that I love about God is knowing, knowing who I was. Knowing where he found me, that he still chose me, I was like, I, I wouldn't have chose me. Knowing this heart, just knowing who this guy is, I mean, knowing kind of how I treated people, I, I wouldn't have chose me. But for some reason, he chose you, and he chose me in the middle of where we are. But see, but it's not just that. It's not just like, oh, there's this one day where I got saved and he chose me and now I'm all better. It's that he keeps choosing me, knowing the thoughts that I have, knowing the sin that I still walk in, knowing the judgments that I bring on other people, knowing the stories that I say inside my brain. He still chooses me every day, knowing what's in here. And then he transforms me and he changes me. And he moves my thoughts and he builds purity and life and goodness and grace in me. And then he gives me an identity and he gives me a purpose and he gives me courage and he gives me peace. What praise is too much? And I think about Psalm 68 and it says God, God takes the lonely and he sets them in families. And I'm like, God, why would you do that? I mean, he's put me in such a loving family such a caring family that, that I, I just didn't have the skills. I don't have the skills to build the family that I have. 
I don't deserve it and God gives it to me. How can I possibly praise him enough? How can my praise be too extravagant for my God? And the question is, you know, what can I do? What can I show him in response for how good he has been to me? I want to show you uh, quite a bit before in 2 Samuel, in the Old Testament, we see David responding to the goodness of God. And the Ark of the Covenant is moving back to where it's supposed to be. It's coming to the city of David, and it says in 2 Samuel 6, 14, it says, David, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might, while he and the entire house of Israel brought up the Ark of the Lord with shouts and the sounds of trumpets. We have this extravagant praise, dancing with everything that's within him before God. But do you know what happened just three months before? Just three months before this, David was in a completely different place. He was frustrated because they were moving the ark forward and then David completely ignored uh, how God said you're to do that. He put it on a cart with oxen and it's not to be touched. Instead, it's supposed to be carried on poles with the Levites. The priests are supposed to do it and I don't know why David didn't do it that way. Maybe he was just excited. He wanted it to move, but he's moving this and then the, the ox stumbles and the cart is about to fall and there's a man named Uzzah and he puts his hand up on the ark which is both symbolic and literal of the presence of God and Uzzah dies right there encountering the holiness. And I want to show you where David is at after that happens. And I think it's where most of us would be. It's in, uh, go over to verse 6. It says, and then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. He's like, well, what gives here, Lord? I was just trying to do the right thing, but the wrong way. And to this day, that place is called Parad Uzzah. David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, how can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom. And so the, the ark is just sitting there then for about three months. And then he's like, okay, we got to bring it back. But this time he does it right. And he has the Levites come and they, they, they do it with the poles. And you see them and he says, okay, and they took one step and everybody's watching and then two steps, is it going to be okay? Then three steps, then four steps, then five steps, and then six steps. And then six, six steps. Then we get to verse 13, where David said, we did it right. We're doing it as God is asking us to do. And he's celebrating. He's like, we're back. This is the way. And he dances before the Lord with all of his might. And one is because the Ark of the Covenant is, is returning. But do you know why else I think he's dancing? It's because he is now back. He knows, okay, I'm back in right relationship with God. See, I was doing it wrong, and now I'm doing it right. I understand that God has restored me. He has brought me back into his ways. Has God ever brought you back into his ways when you were doing it outside of his ways? You know, I've, I've had multiple times, more than once, I've had men in my office confess I had an affair. So the next words out of my, my, my mouth are, let's call her. We got to tell her. And I've seen it happen. Multiple times I've seen it happen. And it's, it's painful and it's messy and it's horrible, but I've seen it multiple times where they're restored. And he confesses the sin. And he repents. And she forgives. I've seen it happen. And I've seen marriages. There are marriages in this room right now that have gone through that, a number of them. And you know what I see in their marriage now? I see a life and I see a joy. But do you know what I see in the guy? A humility. 
and I see a gratitude. See, how has God blessed you when you come back into his will, when you come back into his ways? There's two huge benefits of coming back into his will is humility and gratitude. You realize, oh man, this should have gone a different way. I was praying for a guy last night. He, he, he just said, I made a big mistake and it's ruining my life. And we just prayed, Lord, the blood of Jesus. Let the blood of Jesus cover, first of all, his sin, which is completely forgiven. And now, Lord, let the blood of Jesus cover the, cover the consequences. And he does. He's so good to us. He's so extravagant in his grace, in his mercy. See, but not everybody's excited about it. If you go to 16, look at Michael. That's Saul's daughter, David's wife. And it says, as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. She comes later and says, oh, how the king has distinguished himself today before the maidens of Israel. She despised him. Do you remember how Judas responded to Mary? It's like, what, oh, what are you doing? Give this money to the poor. Why, why are you wasting this right now? What's wrong with you right now? Listen, don't expect those people who don't know Jesus to celebrate when you bring extravagant dedication and devotion to him. Don't expect them to understand when you praise him with all your might, when you dance before him with all that you have. I remember when we were in this, uh, this college group where I came back to Jesus. I remember one of the dads, one of the college kids, came to the college leader and he said, don't you think that these kids are taking this Jesus stuff just a little too seriously? Like, you've never met him. You, you must not know him. How could you possibly do that? How can you possibly take Jesus too seriously? How can you possibly give him more than he deserves? And, and how, how, how can anyone understand your devotion to Jesus when they haven't experienced what Jesus has done for you? And so David responds, in this wonderful verse, verse 22, he says, I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. I will dance before the Lord with all I have because he has changed my life. He has brought me into a relationship with him. I have seen him. I know him. I can't do it any other way. If you've tasted and you've seen, what can you give except extravagant praise? See, extravagant praise is the fitting response to extravagant grace. There's actually another alabaster jar in the Bible. It's a, it's a different account, I believe. It's in Luke. And it's in uh, Luke 7. And I believe this is a different woman. I, I think this is maybe Mary Mag uh, Magdalene. We don't know, but it's uh, Luke 7, 36. It says, now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And when a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at, the feet, at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is. She's a sinner. Skip over to verse uh, 44. And then Jesus turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. 
You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing me. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. And, and, and if you don't have a depth of gratitude, if your heart just doesn't cry out to praise the Lord, then I want you to understand it's probably because you don't understand the depth of his grace. You don't understand how much you needed Jesus and how far he's gone. You, you see, my, my very best, my very best that I can give is still messed up. Like even right now, like I mean when I'm trying to do like I'm trying to serve the Lord, I still, and my main idea here is I, I just want you to find freedom, I want you to find life, I want God to minister to you. But even doing this, I have shadow motives. I'm like, oh, I really want them to like me. I want them to think my jokes are funny. I don't know why that's so important to me. Right? I mean, even when we bring our best, it falls so short of who God is. Do any of you have a, a relative that you kind of hope doesn't show up to the family thing? And I want to tell you, really, I mean, that's kind of like what we are. Because every time we come, I mean, we bring this stuff with us. We bring these shadow motives with us. We bring the downer with us. And we bring sin to every single moment, everything we come to. We're constantly breaking the peace and breaking the connection and breaking the perfection of God that he has for us. And even our good is bad, right? And if you're not thankful, then you just don't understand how far you are from him without him. You don't understand how much you need him to even be close to him. But praise God, Romans 3, tells us there is a righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus to those who believe. And as we come under Christ, it just, it's amazing to me that, that we get to be his children with all that. Every day that I come in and I'm in his presence, every day that he's, I mean, he doesn't just say, yeah, you can come kiss my feet. He says, you can come sit up on my lap. And the alabaster jar is broken because this woman, she has come to terms with her sin. She understands what it is. You know what one of my favorite parts of that account is? It's not even written, but, but I, I know it happened. And that, and that is that the Pharisee, he has to smell that perfume for the next week. Isn't that good? He's reminded, this is a reminder of God's grace as he walks through there. And I want to tell you, it's the same way with your praise and your gratitude. And you lift it up to the Lord, and it's a beautiful, it, and it lingers. And all those around you just kind of, they, they smell it on you. And like, you smell that? What's this all about, this grace this person walks in? This gratitude that this person has because they've encountered the holy God and the goodness of God. Extravagant praise, it's the fitting response to this extravagant connection that we have with Jesus. I've said it before, so it's the reason that I just, I can't suffer people being lost. I just can't suffer that there's a world out there and some people think that God is mean or that he's angry or that he's aloof or that he's just not there. It's just like, oh, if you only knew him, you just gotta taste and see how good he is. I wanna take you back to, to the first time we meet Mary of Bethany and it's Luke 10, 38, and so this is before she anoints his feet 
This is one of the first times we ever hear about her. And it says, And as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. So same sisters. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha, and we see that she, this doesn't really change, was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about so many things, but only one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And see, the more time that Mary spends at the feet of Jesus, the deeper she falls in love with him, the greater her praises become. You know, it's one thing for us to come in here and, and we sing these songs because he deserves it, and you know what he does? If there's no other reason, God, you deserve my praise, I'm going to sing it. But it's another thing to come in here and sing these songs because we mean it. Because we've encountered him. And listen, I want to tell you, if you knew him, you would mean it. If you knew him, you wouldn't be able to hold back. If you knew him and you knew what he did, you would want nothing more than to give him your very best, to give him your all and your all and your everything. And the question I have is, do you know him? Do you really know him? I'm going to let uh, SM, Dr. S.M. Lockridge actually tell you a little bit about him. I pulled this up from the archives, and I think he tells us about him better than most can. Let's go ahead and play that. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduring strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, he 
His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And His yoke is easy. And His burden is lighter. I wish I could describe Him, for yet He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get Him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get Him off of your head. You can't outlive Him, and you can't live without Him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand Him, but they found out they couldn't stop Him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Terror couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. I wonder, I wonder if you know him. He's so good. He's so merciful. He's so kind. I just want you to know him. I just want you to know. Is there anybody here who hasn't given their life to Jesus that, that wants to know him? I just want you to know him. I don't want to move, miss this chance. Right now, if it's you, just raise your hand. You want to know him? Thank you, Lord. That little guy right there. Praise the Lord. Let's just pray. Lord God, just pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I know that I've sinned. I know that I need you. I want to know you. I want to walk with you. Come into my heart. I give you all that I have. I thank you that I'm yours. I just want you to know that that's the beginning of an amazing relationship and walk with Jesus. Just keep walking with him. Keep going after him. I want you to know him because he's so good. You know, if people come up to me every once in a while and I'll, I'll get this question. Most pastors get this question. Hey, do I have to tithe on my gross or do I tithe on my net? And you know what I want to tell them? I want to say just go back and get to know him. It's the wrong question. What are you talking about? You're asking questions like that. You just don't know him. You know, do I, do I have to, is this a, how far can I go without it being a sin? I'm like, you're missing the whole point. Go back and get to know him. Because if you knew him, you would say, what could I possibly give up? What can I possibly let go of so that I could get closer to him? If you knew him, you would be like, what could I possibly give to you to, to praise you and to show you that I love you? What could I possibly lay before your feet, oh God? If you knew him. If you knew him, you would be like, what of worth could I give? My life isn't enough. I mean, all that I have is not enough, God, for who you are and what you've done. And you know what, guys? I haven't even mentioned his promises to you. I haven't even mentioned how he's going to be faithful to you in the future. We haven't even talked about that. How the, 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 listen, I want to tell you something. No matter what comes in this world right now, no matter what comes, you will be taken care of. He's promised you that. He's so good. Do you know him? What, what sort of praise could be too much? What could be too extravagant? It's like, give me, I, we need some more alabaster jars. I mean, like 30 of them, 40 of them, hundreds of them. 
What can you give them? All your heart, right? I mean, who you really are. All that you really are. Your soul. Your very soul. You, you, you know, your will, your vision, your pursuits, pursuit, your desires. You just lay them at his feet. All your strength. All your resources. All your talents. All your time. All your gifts. All your mind. Lord, to have your way in my thoughts, in my choices, in my actions. If you knew them, what would you hold back from them? Our God is so good. So I just want to fill this house right now. I want to fill this house with fragrance, with perfume of our offering of praise and gratitude and thanks. So Lord Jesus, we just come before you right now so, so thankful, so undeserving, but yet Lord, so complete and so accepted, so full. And Lord, we come with brokenness, we come with double motives, but God, we come hungry, wanting more of you, tasting and seeing that you are good and wanting to know you and love you. So Lord, we give you right now our best praise. We give you our hearts. And we just sing with great gratitude, Lord. Great gratitude. It's the little gift that we have. The greatness of your love. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in him. God bless you.